0: Chapter Nineteen of Gladiator. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Gladiator by Philip Wylie. Chapter Nineteen. It was bright morning when Hugo awoke. Through the window pane in the room where he had slept, he could see a straggling backyard. Damn clothes moved in the breeze, and beyond was a depression green with young shoots. He descended to the restaurant and ate his breakfast. Automobiles were swishing along the road outside, and he could hear a clatter of dishes in the kitchen. Afterwards, he went outdoors and walked through the busy center of the village and on into the country. Sun streamed down upon him. The sky was blue. Birds twittered in the budding bushes. He had almost forgotten the beauty and peacefulness of springtime now it came over him in a rush Pastel colors and fecund warmth smells of earth and rain melodious haphazard wind he knew intuitively that McLaren would never send for him He wondered what mr. Mills would say to mr. Shane about him Both thoughts passed like white clouds over his mind and he forgot them for an indolent vegetative tranquility the road curved over hills and descended into tinted valleys farmers were ploughing and planting the men at the restaurant had told him that he was in connecticut that did not matter for any other place would have been the same on this may morning a truck driver offered him a ride which hugo refused and then watching the cubic van surge away in the distance he wished fugitively that he had accepted two half-dollars and a quarter jingled in his pocket his suit was seedy, and his beard unshaven. A picture of New York ran through his mind. He stood far off from it, gazing at the splendor of its towers in the morning light. He came closer, and the noise of it smote his ears. Suddenly he plunged into the city. His perspective vanished, and there rose about him the ugly, unrelated, inchoate masses of tawdriness that had been glorious from a distance, while people dour malicious selfish people who scuttle like ants supplanted the vista of stone and steel the trite truth of the ratio between approach and enchantment amused him it was so obvious yet so few mortals had the fine sense to withdraw themselves he was very happy walking tirelessly along that road after his luncheon he allowed a truck to carry him farther from the city Deeper into the magic of spring. The driver bubbled with it. He wore a purple tulip in his greasy cap, and he slowed down on the hilltops with an unassuming reverence and a naive slang that fitted well with Hugo's mood. When he reached his destination, Hugo walked on with reluctance. Shadows of the higher places moved into the lowlands. He crossed a brook and leaned over its middle on the bridge rail fascinated by an underwater landscape complete full of color less than a foot high from every side came the strident music of frogs spring 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 they sang rolling their liquid gutturals and stopping abruptly when he came too near in the evening far from the city he turned from the pavement on a muddy country road walking on until he reached the skeleton of an old house there he lay down, taking his supper from his pocket and eating it slowly. The floor of the second story had fallen down, and he could see the stars through a hole in the roof. In such houses, he thought, the first chapters of American history had been lived. When it was entirely dark, a whippoorwill began to make its sweet and mournful music. Warmth and chilliness came together from the ground, and he slept. In the morning he followed the road into the hills long stretches of woodland were interrupted by fields he passed farmhouses and the paved drive of an estate more than a mile from the deserted farm more than two miles from the main road half hidden in a skirt of venerable trees he saw an old green house behind which was a row of barns it was a big house Tile medallions had been set in its foundations by an architect whose tombstone must now be aslant and illegible It was built on a variety of planes and angles gables cropped at random from its mossy roof Grass grew in the broad yard under the trees and in the grass were crocuses Yellow and red and blue like wind-strewn confetti Hugo paused to contemplate this peaceful edifice a man walked briskly from one of the barn doors he perceived hugo and stopped holding a spade in his hand Then after starting across to the house he changed his mind and dropping the spade approached hugo Looking for work my man Hugo smiled why yes Know anything about cattle. I was reared in a farming country good. He scrutinized hugo minutely I'll try you at eight dollars a week room and board he opened the gate. Hugo paused. The notion of finding employment somewhere in the country had been fixed in his mind, and he wondered why he waited, even as he did, when the charm of the old manor had offered itself to him as if by a miracle. The man swung open the gate. He was lithe, sober, and direct. My name is Kane, Ralph Kane. We raise blooded Guernsey stock here. At the moment, we haven't a man. I see, Hugo said. I could make the eight ten in a week if you were satisfactory I wasn't considering the money how I Wasn't considering the money. Oh come in try it an eagerness was apparent in his tone While Hugo still halted on a knoll of indecision a woman opened the French windows Which lined one facade of the house and stepped down from the porch? She was very tall and very slender her eyes were slatey blue and There was a delicate suggestion, almost an apparition, of gray in her hair. What is it, Ralph? Her voice was cool and pitched low. This is my wife, Kane said. My name is Danner. Kane explained. I saw this man standing by the gate, and now I'm hiring him. I see, she said. She looked at Hugo. The crystalline substance of her eyes glinted transiently with some inwardness, surprise, a vanishing gladness it might have been. You are looking for work? Yes, Hugo answered. Kane spoke hastily. I offered him eight a week and board, Roseanne. She glanced at her husband and returned her attention inquisitively to Hugo. Are you interested? I'll try it. Kane frowned nervously, walked to his wife, and nodded with averted face. Then he addressed Hugo. You can sleep in the barn. We have quarters there. I don't think we'll be in for any more cold weather. If you'll come with me now, I'll start you right in until noon Hugo cleaned stables There were two dozen cows animals that would have seemed beautiful to a rustic connoisseur and one lordly bull with malignant horns and bloodshot eyes He shoveled the pungent and not offensive debris into a wheelbarrow and Transferred it to a dung-heap that sweated with internal humidity at noon Kane came into the barn Pretty good he said Viewing floors fairly shaved by hugo's diligence lunch is ready. You'll eat in the kitchen Hugo saw the woman again. She was toiling over a stove her hair in disarray a spotted apron covering her long body He realized that they had no servants that the three of them Constituted the human inhabitants of the estate, but there were shades innumerable shades of a long past and some of these ghosts had crept into roseanne's slaty eyes she carried lunch for herself and her husband into a front room and left him to eat in the soft silence after lunch kane spoke to him again can you plough it's been a long time but i think so good i have a team we'll drive to the north field i've got to start getting the corn in pretty soon the room in the barn was bare four board walls a board ceiling and floor an iron cot blankets the sound and smell of the cows beneath Hugo slept dreamlessly, and when he awoke he was ravenous his week passed Cain drove him like a slave master, but to drive Hugo was an unhazardous thing He did not think much and when he did it was to read the innuendo of living that was written parallel to the existence of his employer and Roseanne they were troubled with each other Part of that trouble sprang from an evident source Cain was a miser he resented the amount of food that hugo consumed Despite the unequal ratio of hugo's labors when hugo asked for a few dollars in advance He was curtly refused that had happened at lunch one day After lunch however and evidently after Cain had debated with his wife He inquired of hugo what he wanted a razor and some shaving things and new trousers hugo had said Cain drove the station wagon to town and returned with the desired articles. He gave them to Hugo Thank you Hugo said Cain chuckled opening his thin lips wide all right Danner As a matter of fact. It's money in my bank Money in your bank sure I've lived here for years and I get a ten percent discount at the general store But I'm charging you full price naturally naturally Hugo agreed that was one thing that would make the tribulation in her eyes Hugo wished that he could have met these two people on a different basis so that he could have learned the truth about them It was plain that they were educated cultured refined Kane had said something once about raising cattle in England and Roseanne had cooked peas as she had learned to cook them in France petite poise she had murmured with an unimpeachable accent and the week had passed and there had been no mention of the advance in wages for himself hugo did not care But it was easy to see why no one had been working on the place when hugo arrived Why they were eager to hire a transient stranger? He learned part of what he had already guessed from a clerk in the general store one of the cows was ailing Mr.. Kane could not drive to town mrs. Kane it seemed never left the house and its environs and they had sent hugo You working for the canes the clerk had asked? yes funny people hugo replied indirectly have they lived here long long roseanne kane was a bishop the bishops built that house and the house before it back in the seventeen hundreds they had a lot of money have it still i guess but kane's too tight to spend it there was nothing furtive in the youth's manner he was evidently touching on common village gossip yes sir too tight won't give her a maid but before her folks died it was Europe every year and a maid for every one of them And why dearie don't tell me that's the second time you've put on that dress take it right off and never wear it again The joke was part of the formula for telling about the canes and the clerk snickered Appreciatively yes, sir You come down here some day when I ain't got the Friday orders to fill and I'll tell you some things about old man Kane That'll turn your stomach Hugo accepted his bundle Set it in the seat beside himself and drove back to the big green house Later in the day he said to Kane, if you will want me to drive the station wagon very often. I ought to have a license Go ahead get one I Couldn't afford it at the moment and since it would be entirely for you I thought I see Kane answered calmly trying to get a license out of me Well, you're out of luck you probably won't be needed as a chauffeur again for the next year if you are, you'll drive without a license, and drive damn carefully, too, because any fines or any accidents would come out of your wages. Hugo received the insult unmoved. He wondered what Kane would say if he smashed the car and made an escape. He knew he would not do it. The whole universe appeared so constructed that men like Kane inevitably avoided their deserts. June came, and then July. The seashore was not distant and occasionally at night Hugo slipped away from the woods and lay on the sand, sometimes drinking in the firmament, sometimes closing his eyes. When it was very hot, he undressed behind a pile of barnacle-covered boulders and swam far out in the water. He swam naked, unmolested, stirring up tiny whirlpools of phosphorescence, and afterwards, damp and cool, he would dress and steal back to the farm through the forest and the hay-sweet fields one day a man in middletown asked mr kane to call on him regarding the possible purchase of three cows kane's cows were raised with the maximum of human care the minimum of extraneous expense his profit on them was great and he sold them ordinarily one at a time he was so excited at the prospect of a triple sale that for a day he was almost gay very nearly generous he drove off blithely not in the sedan but in the station wagon because its gasoline mileage was greater it was a day filled with wonder for Hugo when Kane drove from the house Roseanne was standing beside the drive She walked over to the barn and said to Hugo in an oddly agitated voice Mr.. Danner could you spare an hour or two this morning to help me get some flowers from the woods? certainly She glanced in the direction her husband had taken and hurried to the kitchen Returning presently with two baskets and a trowel he followed her up the road They turned off on an overgrown path pushed through underbrush and arrived in a few minutes at the side of a pond The edges were grown thick with bushes and water weeds Dead trees lifted awkward arms at the upper end and dragonflies skimmed over the warm brown water I used to come here to play when I was a little girl. She said it's still just the same she wore a blue dress Branches had disheveled her hair she seemed more alive than he had ever seen her it's charming Hugo answered There used to be a path all the way around with stones crossing the brook at the inlet and over there Underneath those pine trees there are some orchids. I've always wanted to bring them down to the house I think I could make them grow of course. This is a bad time to transplant anything But I so seldom get a chance I can't remember when when he realized with a shock that she was going to cry she turned her head away and peered into the green wall i think it's here she said tremulously they followed a dimly discernible trail there were deer tracks in it and signs of other animals whose feet had kept it passable it was hot and damp and they were forced to bend low beneath the tangle to make progress almost suddenly they emerged in a grove of white pines they stood upright and looked wind stirred sibilantly in the high tops and the ground underfoot was a soft carpet the lake reflected the blue of the sky instead of the brown of its soft bottom let's rest a minute she said and then i always think a pine grove is like a cathedral i read somewhere that pines inspired gothic architecture do you suppose it's true there was the lotos and the corinthian column hugo answered they sat down this was a new emotion a paradoxical emotion for him He had come to an inharmonious sanctuary, and he could expect both tragedy and enchantment There was Roseanne herself a hidden beautiful thing in whom were prisoned many beauties She was growing old in the frosty seclusion of her husband's company She was feeding on the toothless food of dreams when her hunger was still strong that much anyone might see the reason alone remained invisible. He was acutely conscious of an hour at hand, an imminent moment of vision. "'You're a strange man,' she said finally. "'That was to be the password.' "'Yes.' "'I've watched you every day from the kitchen window.' Her depression had gone now, and she was talking with a vague excitement. "'Have you?' "'Do you mind if we pretend for a minute? I'd like it.' "'Then let's pretend this is a magic carpet.' And we've flown away from the world and there's nothing to do, but play play she repeated musingly I'll be Roseanne and you'll be Hugo you see I found out your name from the letters I found out a lot about you not facts like born occupation father's first name just Things he dared a little then what sort of things Roseanne She laughed. I knew you could do it. That's one of them. I found out you had a soul Souls show even in barnyards you looked at the peonies one day and you played with the puppies the next in one way Hugo you're a failure as a farmhand Failure a flop you never make a grammatical mistake She saw his surprise and laughed again and your manners and then you understood French See the carpet is taking us higher and farther away isn't it fun you're the hired man, and I'm the farmer's wife and all of a sudden we're a prince and princess That's exactly right. I won't pretend. I'm not curious Morbidly curious, but I won't ask questions either because that isn't what the carpet is for What is it for Roseanne to get away from the world silly and now there's a look about you when I was a little girl my father was a great man and many great men used to come to our house I know what the frown of power is and the attitude of greatness. You have them, much more than any pompous old magnet I ever laid eyes on. The way you touch things and handle them, the way you square your shoulders. Sometimes I think you're not real at all, and just an imaginary knight come to storm my castle. And sometimes I think you're a very famous man whose afternoon walk just has been extended for a few months. The first thought frightens me. And the second makes me wonder why I haven't seen your picture in the Sunday rotogravures. Hugo's shoulders shook. Poor Princess Roseanne. And what do I think about you then? She held up her hand. Don't tell me, Hugo, I should be sad. After all, my life may be what it does not appear to be. She took a brittle pine twig and dug in the mold of the needles until it broke. Ralph was different once. He was a chemist. Then the war came, and he was there, and a shell. Ah, Hugo said, and you loved him before. I had promised him before, but it changed him so, and it's hard. The carpet, he answered gently. The carpet. I almost dropped off, and then I'd have been hurt, wouldn't I? A favor for a favor. I'm not a great man, but I hope to be one. I have something that I think is a talent. Let it go at that. The letters come from my father and mother in Colorado. I've never seen Colorado It's big Like the nursery of the Titans. I think she said softly and Hugo shuddered the instinct had been too true Her eyes were suddenly stormy. I feel old enough to mother you Hugo and yet since you came I've been a little bit in love with you. It doesn't matter does it. I think I know sit closer to me then, Hugo the Sun had passed the Zenith before they spoke connectedly again Time for the magic carpet to come to earth. She said gaily is it? Don't be masculine any longer and don't be rudely possessive. Of course it is aren't you hungry? I Was hungry he began moodily all off at earth come on button me am I a sight I? Disregard the bait you're being funny come no wait We've forgotten the orchids. I wonder if I really came for orchids. Should you be terribly offended if I said I thought I did? Extravagantly offended. Kane returned late in the day. The cows had been sold. I even made five hundred clear and above the feeding and labor on the one with the off leg. She'll breed good cattle. The barns were as clean as a park, and Roseanne was singing as she prepared dinner. Nothing happened until a hot night in August. The leaves were still and limp the moon had set hugo lay awake and he heard her coming quietly up the stairs ralph had a headache and he took two triple bromides of course i could always have said that i heard one of the cows in distress and came to wake you but he's jealous poor dear and then but who could resist a couple of simultaneous alibis nobody he whispered she sat down on his bed he put his arm around her and felt that she was in a nightdress I wish I could see you now Then take this flashlight just for an instant wait. He heard the rustle of her clothing now She heard him draw in his breath and then the light went out with the approach of autumn weather Roseanne caught a cold She continued her myriad tasks, but he could see that she was miserable even Cain sympathized with her gruffly when the week of the cattle show in New York arrived, the cold was worse, and she begged off the long trip on the trucks with the animals. He departed alone with his two most precious cows, scarcely thinking of her, muttering about judges and prizes. Again she came out to the barn. You've made me a dreadful hypocrite. I know it. You were waiting for me. Men are so disgustingly sure of everything. But... I made myself cough and sniffle until I can't stop Hugo smiled broadly all aboard the carpet They lay in a field that was surrounded by trees the high weeds hid them Goldenrod hung over them life can't go on like this. He finished for her Well can it it's up to you Roseanne. I never knew there were women like me You should have said was a woman would you run away with me? never Aren't we just hunting for an emotion? Perhaps. Because there was a day, one day in the pines, he nodded. Different from these other two, that's because of the tragic formation of life. There is only one first, only one commencement, only one virginity, and then character sets in. Then it becomes living. It may remain beautiful, but it cannot remain original. You'd be hard to live with. Why Roseanne because you're so determined not to have an illusion and you go on say it I'm so determined to have one are we quarreling I can fix that come closer Roseanne Her face changed through delicate shades of feeling to tenderness and to intensity abruptly Hugo leaped to his feet the rhythmic thunder rode down upon them like the wind a few yards away Head down tail straight the big bull charged over the ground like an avalanche Roseanne lifted herself in time to see hugo take two quick steps Draw back his fist and hit the bull between the horns. It was a diabolical thing The bull was thrown back upon itself its neck snapped loudly its feet crumpled it dropped dead 20 feet to one side was a stone wall Hugo picked up a hoof and dragged the carcass to the base of the wall With his hand he made an indenture in the rocks and over the face of the hollow. He splashed the bull's blood Then he approached Roseanne the whole episode had occupied less than a minute She had hunched her shoulders together and her face was pale She articulated with difficulty the bull her hands twitched broke in here and you hit him just in time Roseanne you killed him then. Why did you drag him over there? Because Hugo answered slowly I thought it would be better to make it seem as if he charged the wall and broke his neck that way Her frigidity was worse than any hysteria It isn't natural to be able to do things like that it isn't human He swallowed those words in that stifled intonation were very familiar. I know it. I'm very strong roseanne looked down at the grass wipe your hand will you he rubbed it in the earth you mustn't be frightened no she laughed a little what must i be then i'm alive i'm crawling with terror don't touch me she screamed and drew back i can explain it you can explain everything but not that it was an idiotic wild unfair thing to have happened at this time he said my life's like that he looked beyond her I began wanting to do tremendous things. The more I tried, the more discouraged I became. You see, I was strong. There have been other things figuratively like the bull, but the things themselves get littler and more preposterous because my ambition and my nerve grow smaller. He lowered his head. Some day I shan't want to do anything at all any more. Continuous and unwanted defeat might infuriate some men to a great effort. It's tiring me. He raised his eyes sadly to hers Roseanne She gathered her legs under herself and ran Hugo made no attempt to follow her he merely watched Twice she tripped and once she fell at the stone wall. She looked back at him It was not necessary to be able to see her expression She went on across the fields a skinny flapping thing at last a mere spot of moving color Hugo turned and stared at the brown mound of the bull after a moment he walked over and stood above it its tongue hung out and its mouth grinned it lay there dead and yet to hugo it still had life the indestructibility of a ghost and the immortality of a symbol he sat beside it until sundown at twilight he entered the barn and tended the cows the doors of the house were closed he went without supper kane returned jubilantly later in the evening he called hugo from the back porch Telegram for you Hugo read the wire his father was sick and failing rapidly. I want my wages He said then he went back to the barn his trifling belongings were already wrapped in a bundle Cain reluctantly counted out the money Hugo felt nauseated and feverish He put the money in his pocket the bundle under his arm He opened the gate and his feet found the soft earth of the road in the darkness End of chapter 19